Welcome to episode 479 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, our team, welcome along to episode 479 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James, host. John had a I'm, premature I'm not, moment. I'm not a broadcasting to... professional. Here we go, here we go. <laughs> oh, here we go. Love and marriage. Remember that program, Jombo? Uh, I'm watching it. It's off to just a YouTube clip here, old Ed O'Neill. Oh. And these days, he's my, on my favourite show, Modern Family. He's, he's a legend, isn't he? Jombo, the why, news is... Why are we playing that today, Bevan? I, I, I'm going to be a married man, Jombo. It's all over. It took me seven... <laughs> it's all over. All over, right <laughs> <Even> now. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, because females, when they find out you, you, you're engaged, they're really happy. Guys, <laughs> guys Shake alive. their head. <laughs> what are you doing? What have you done? <laughs> All changes. Oh, so yeah, it was Joe's birthday on Sunday, and so I, uh, I pulled out the proposal. I'll tell you the whole story at the end of the show, but it does include nudity. Does include nudity? Yep. You, just, you had to get one up. You got the bloody driving car experience. You think, yeah, I know. How you spent so much this? on me for my birthday. It set a yeah. high standard. Yeah. And I, yeah, but so I'll tell the story later on. But yes, it's official team. After seven years, oh, seven God, long yeah. years with me, poor Joe. Yeah. She persevered, and, and uh, hopefully she's happy. She did say yes. Yeah. And when you do a proposal in a nude, they say no. The rejection, you know, that could bring a lot of insecurities up. So. We'll ask more questions later. So there we go. I'll tell you guys all about it. But yes, I am getting married. No, there isn't a wedding date. That's what surprised me the most, John. Because mm-hmm. I told nobody, like nobody knew. Yeah. Um, and uh, so everyone was very surprised by it. I ring my mum after we ring mum after we propose and she's oh, really happy. Mum rings me about half an hour with a list of questions about the wedding date. <laughs> And it's like, what am I going to wear? What are you? Well, when are you going to get married? Where are you going to get married? And I'm like, I just asked him. <laughs> <laughs> so the questions keep on coming. But we'll talk about that later on, guys. And this week's show, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buff. You haven't put any Patreons I in. I had, but this hasn't synced with my bloody other computer. Okay, can you pull it up really quickly? Because there's none at the end either. Ah, uh, I have done it. Yes, give me two seconds. Okay, and I'll talk about what's on the show this week. So first of all, on the show this week, a bit of a traditional show. We've got news. We've got statistic. It's good statistics this week. Mm-hmm. Don't know exactly how accurate it is, but it's it's, it's a pretty good statistic. Uh, we've got high five. It's interesting reading the email before the high five. Did you read that? Yes. They weren't very happy with our discussion that we had at yes. that time. Yeah. Uh, we've got a website of the week, an honorary age group of the week within that. And then we've got uh, questions and answers. And we're going to talk to some patrons at the end as well. Jombo, name some names. Chris, you will obey King. <laughs> That's a good one. James, Thunder Down Under, She's Gill. Thunder Down Under. And I'm sure I've got this one wrong. This must be an error on my spreadsheet. So, James Bishop, you can email in and tell us how wrong we've got this. But down, I've got written down the Feline Express. Which I'm thinking is probably not an appropriate no, name I'm for thinking, a guy. I'm thinking you must have seen him with a picture of a cat. Maybe. you definitely do yours around pictures. Yes. Mine comes from random thoughts. Yes. And you would have seen him with a cat, I think, in his picture. Yeah. And then you would have gone with that. Could have done. Yeah. Richard, the Prince of Darkness, Osborne. That's a good one too. And Jessica, the power 
Woodruff. Nice. I just actually there was she, this, these are some of the the originals. Oh, really? The originals from Early way days. back who were sort of doing the old four dollars a month one when we had it going ages ago. So they they may not even know they signed up for the patrons thing, but we're just going to switch them oh, over because yeah, yeah. they've been contributing for a long time. And you've been a big part of this world. And Jessica didn't have a name, but we had the darts in New Zealand last oh, weekend. Did you see the I final? I didn't see it. I didn't see it, but on the news last night. Yeah, it looked like it was amazing. And uh, they had Phil the Power Taylor, and I just oh. thought that name just came into my head, and I thought Jessica the Power Woodruff. Unfortunately, they make more than I'm in. <sighs> do they what? Let me figure that out. What, well, what do you no, no, they, they um, I heard somebody talking about uh, Phil the Power Taylor. Yep. And the, I was trying to decide whether darts is a sport or not a sport, and I'm not sure which way it's classified. But he's had to pay, you know, he's had to pay a lot of tax. Oh, based on if yeah. he's a sportsman and, or not. And I, th- and I think it's classified as maybe not being a sport. And they, somebody asked him the question, if it got changed over, you know, what would you get back in tax? And it was like, I'd get, I've paid twenty million. Tax, twenty million in tax. It's how much you'd get back, or something like he, they earn an extortion amount of money. It's good on them, you know. Um, but uh, they earn a lot more than triathletes. Anyway, oh, wow. Okay, so 2015 uh, the world champion gets two hundred fifty thousand pound. There'll be three hundred thousand pound for the world championship in for the champion in twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. So, what would that be, US? Uh, a lot more than what Kona is. Kona's $650,000 total prize pool. And, and and then I imagine just the kind of like, weekly events are probably paying a lot more than what I'm we... Pretty sure it's 125000 at Kona. At least it used to be. It may have gone up slightly. The thing about that sport is it is great television watching. Oh, yeah. You know, like it is... Geez, 120! I don't know. <laughs> That's how much darts I've watched before. 180! <laughs> Close. Close. 60 off. 60, 60 off. Hey, what's 60 between friends? Okay, guys. So, this week's news. First of all, Jombo, big event this weekend. We had the Ironman 70.3 World Championships happening in Austria. And, uh, but at the girls' side of the race, what a domination. Complete dojo domination. Wow. So, we might as well start with the girls because that's impressive. Just- that's just embarrassing for everyone else. It is. So um, so if you don't haven't heard the results, uh, D- Daniela Reef won, uh, but she won by 12 minutes. In a world championship race, yeah. and a 70.3 as well. Like maybe the Ironman you might be able to pull that off. but Very Chrissy-like you know, yeah. in terms of her performance. She, she did have a very good swim. I mean, she's a pretty reasonable swimmer, but she was right up there after the swim. There was a couple of girls off the front, um, but then just crushed it on the bike and then just kept on crushing it all the way through. So very balanced race. Put um, you know three to three to six minutes into the rest of the field on the bike. The only girl that was sort of within Kui was Anya Berenek, and she faded a bit on the run. But then yeah, but then she ran a one twenty two fifty one, and that is I, I can't see any run times faster than that. Somebody may have gone quicker, but in terms of Heather Wirtle, she was one twenty four. Um, Magalie Tessery was one twenty eight. So most of the girls are high one twenties. So she dominated the swim, the bike. And the run. Mm. Pretty awesome, isn't it? Very impressive. Now, it's, it wasn't like if we look at the guys' field, there was an amazing field in the guys' race. This field in the females wasn't as strong. Yeah, and you did have a couple of the big hitters who did DNF. So you had uh, Meredith Kessler and you also had Jodie Swallow, who both uh, both bombed out. So, yes, agree. Not not the most amazing field, really strong field, yeah. but perhaps not as quite as strong as perhaps what we saw last year and uh, not as close as what we saw last year. So, But at the same man. time, 
if she can keep that up, she is just going to crush it in Kona and and old. Um, if you're a betting man, you're putting your money on her right now, aren't you? You'd have to be, yeah. yeah. You'd have to be. I mean, even with Miranda Carfrey, if she runs a two fifty again or under two fifty, then she's just she's not going to be within Kui because Daniela Reef is going to put big time into the swim, big time into the run, and and one of the reasons why what Rennie won last year is Daniela Reef did fade a bit on the run. Yeah. So if she doesn't fade, you know. Anything can happen on the day, but mm. cheapers. Well, and also Daniela now has the experience of Kona as well, so mm. she probably knows how to play that game a little bit better. Mm. Um, but, man, she's an imp- she's very impressive. So yeah. Especially that run, I think. That's probably what was most impressive. We knew she can bike really good, but when you outrun everybody as well, that was... Uh, but that's, that's the thing. It's a complete triathlete performance. Mm. You know, that's, you know, like it was when Crowey won his last Kona. It was just like... Man, he nailed that whole day, you know. Exactly. And that's what we love to see, isn't it? So the big, big Canadian Heather Wirtle came in second, four twenty-three. on, John. And then we also had Anya Berenik, was who was a bit of a surprise there in third in four twenty-four. Pretty close racing between second, second downwards. Um, Magalie Tisseri in fourth, and Alicia Kay in fifth place. So good racing. And look, the overall feedback, I, I watched the first um, When was it no, on? I couldn't hour. figure it out. It was on uh, Sunday night New Zealand time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Quite late, so I think I stayed up till sort of just after 10 o'clock watching it and watched first hour. The, the footage was um, really good. I think they were getting a feed from live TV coverage because the, the, the standard of the pictures was a oh, lot really? better and it was it was pretty good, really. I mean, they struggled a bit for parts on the bike that I saw because uh, there was a lot of wooded areas and stuff and they probably wouldn't have got the, yep. the pictures back up. I mean, they had Greg Welsh and, uh, what is it, Le- Levado, Michael Lovato, I think it is, yep. commentating. And look, in terms of... M- me only watching the race for an hour. Um, it seemed really good. The the, the some of the, the interviews they inserted and stuff were clearly from the TV footage because they were blanked out or they were in German in the background. Okay. Um, but in terms of the overall coverage, another good step up by WTC. The the live tracking is the for the for the pros is exactly what I, what you want. Right. You go onto the page and you See go. What's happening. Where is Terenzo Bazzoni? He is one minute fifteen down, for example. Uh, so. Some of the timing chips clearly weren't working. Um, like Fredino seemed to be not uh, recording. It would tell you when uh, the last signal they received from that athlete. But overall, um, yeah, a really good step in the right direction and, and gives you the data that you wanna you wanna see. The pictures and stuff, really good. Um, of the bits that I saw, females were getting pretty shafted. It was mainly dominated on the the guys' side. Of Is it in what they were showing? Yeah, I mean, they just occasionally went back to um, the lead girl, but most of the time they were focusing on the guys. But I only did watch the first hour or so. So the big question is, where was Trenzo Bazzoni? Well, he was uh, cut, so for the guys' race, coming out of the swim, it was like an ITU <coughs> race. Really? It was just, there was two lines coming out of the swim, and within the first, uh, yeah, that first, 20 seconds, there was just, you know, 30-odd guys. Wow. So it did read that there were quite a few drafting penalties and stuff dished out. What it's hard in that situation, oh, isn't it? Very, very hard. Yeah. Um, what I could see, again, from the pictures, is it seemed to spread out really quickly and uh, and didn't look like there was a lot of 
wheel sucking or anything like that. Again, they're only usually showing the leaders, so you can't see what's going on behind them. But in terms of the shots you did see, it did look like the line got strung out pretty quickly. So um, Trenzo did get a drafting penalty, so did Tim Don. Yes. Thomas? Um, Jesse Thomas sounded like he got a blocking penalty. So, um, yeah, that sounds like they were, were dishing, dishing out the penalties, but it's very hard in that situation. So then if we go to the actual men's race, uh, Fredino crushed it. He really did, didn't he? But then if you look at uh, Sebastian could swim, because he actually had a pretty similar bike split and a slightly faster run. So overall, out of the swim, they were pretty even. It was just the swim that cost them. Yeah, so Keenley, he was actually pretty happy with his swim. I think he, he, he was thinking about he'd be two minutes down, and he was just under two minutes down on the on those guys. Um, but I think, the, again, with the girls, we've seen Daniela Reef, you know, the complete triathlete. Jan Fredino, when he comes across to triathlon, uh, long course from short course, you go, of course the dude can swim, yep. of course he can run, but can he ride a bike? He was on the front, cranking the bike for, for long portions. There were a couple of other Germans up there pushing the pace as well. You had uh, Andreas Dreitz and uh, and there was another German up there. A- Andy Bouchery was up there as well, and they were they were cranking it with really? um, Fredino. But Fredino just looks fantastic on the bike. Oh. Just looks smooth. Just got the full the full goods. And then it sounded like he suffered his way through the run. So he just, you know, he, he's normally a lot quicker than runner than a 116, but he said the run was ugly all the way through. Yep. But and, and he did only win by an hour, a minute and a half from Sebastian yep. Keenlay, but put on a pretty strong performance. And again, you know, you've got to, when he, he can now ride the same bike split as Sebastian Keenlay, you know, the, the deficit is going to be double um, come Ironman time in Hawaii. As in the swim deficit. In terms yeah. of swim. And chances are you're not going to see Sebastian Keenlay outrun Jan Fredino if Jan Fredino's on good good run form come. It's going to be an exciting race this year, isn't it? Mm. You know, and then we, if we go forward to next year and like, uh, maybe Gomez is switch over, you know, like it's far out. We've got, the men's racing is pretty exciting right now. Now, the top five guys have all previous world champions in 7.3. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Top five guys in today in the race. I don't know. Bart Arnott's not. Well, they had it on the website that it was. Maybe he is. Yeah, but I think Bart Arnott's has won a world championship, maybe in ITU, but I'm sure he hasn't won seventy points. Let me have a look. I'll do some research. So anyway, on the on the report they wrote up, it said all five had been. I'm disputing the report. Okay, let's have a look. So then we had uh, Sebastian Keenlay came in second, and interestingly, he actually outran both Fredino and Gomez, which he was pretty stoked about. Gomez had been sick um, for much of the week, so he was didn't quite have his A game there. He was first out of the swim, um, but then only rode a 2.13 and then came home in a 1.15, so was in third place. And Bart Arnott's uh, had the fastest run of the day, 1.14.55. And then Michael Rayleigh was in fifth. So very, very strong guys field. And, uh, yeah, some fantastic racing. From what I've heard... Fantastically organised event, amazing crowds, and then the TV footage was great. The standard of racing looked very high in the age groups. Um, Ed Hawkins got fourth. Did he? Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I was looking at some of the age group results thing, and they were, they were pretty impressive. From what I looked, I only looked at 35 to 39 men and the 40 to 44 men. It didn't look like a lot of either. It didn't look like a lot of Americans went over and of those that went, looked like they got absolutely crushed. So I think that's a reflection of maybe not a lot went over, and B, the standard in Europe is very high. Yeah. So, good racing. 
Um, uh, no, I don't think he has won the World Championship since 7.3. First age grouper overall, by the look of it, is David de Groff from Belgium. And he finished... What time he's doing? I know times... 4.09. So he swam 24, uh, he rode 2.17 and ran a 1.20. What's cool about this race as well, it's, you know, it's a conveyor belt of ending, isn't it? You know, you go from uh, Fredino, you know, from there forward, it's just guys crossing the line every kind of 20, 30 seconds, right? Mm. You know, just continuously. You know, he did he did a, what, a 3.51 and you're going down to the guy who's done like a... a fourth place he's at 20th place and he's you know only 15 minutes behind so it's kind of cool that you know you've got these kind of constant flow of athletes and really good names as well yeah so um just one other thing on this we had a a, a letter a sort of press release came out from try equal and that's the sort of the girls group are really zero cross sent it through it. Yeah, yeah really pushing for um 50 women in kona and one gripe that they had around the 70.3 worlds and i think this gripe is fair enough is that the woman only went three minutes after the pro men. So pro men first, woman three minutes after. And then that. age group men ten minutes after the woman. Yeah, mm. and I think it's a fair enough gripe. Now you got to remember, from a race organisational point of view, it's not as easy as just saying, oh, we should put them ten minutes straight after the the guys because um, there are other implications further down the track in terms of. End of Make, day. End of the day, yeah. come, come, people coming off the bike, crossover with age groupers coming off the bike and things like that. So it's not just quite as simple as saying, we just give them 10 minutes. But there needs to be a better solution because as it turned out, they did. Uh, the, I saw when the first girls were coming out, there was still a couple of pro guys in the water uh, and they were passing a couple of them. And then you will have the crappier pro guys um, getting in the... Uh, will potentially be riding the same speed as a Daniela Reef. I saw Daniela Reef passing a pro guy pretty quickly at one stage on the climb on the bike. And so, A, that pro guy needs to pick up his bloody gun. <laughs> but, but Daniela Reef's bloody you get checked. You've got to get checked in the run. Come yeah. on. So, but there is some interference there. So they do really do need to sort it out. And it probably only takes, you know, maybe an extra two minutes or something like that. So I think there's that aspect there that some of the, the weaker, um, the weak pro guys who, who are crappy swimmers, could have an influence on the women's race in terms of dragging some of those girls up. Like Daniela Reef can will be able to keep up with some. Well, she of those, was twenty seventh overall. Yeah, with some of those guys, even if they're not having a crappy day, she'd still be able to keep up with a lot of them. And then you do have, the and that's including that, the two minute, three minute behind start. So if you take mm. three minutes off that, so she would have been in the top twenty mm. for men. Yeah, so she's, um, you know, it does have an effect, and it's, like it's she not would fair have beaten enough. Nils from home. Mm. No, a lot of those guys blew up after I think smoking the smoking the right the bike. But you, as you said, it's it's more about the it's not just on the run; it's it's on the bike as yeah. well. So I think that WTC in that area do need to pull their socks up. I am going to take them to task. Try equal slightly on one comment in their in their statement. So you had the guys thirty five to thirty nine uh, starting ten minutes behind, and whilst they are not going to catch Daniela Reef and the girls in the front, similarly. To some the, of the real top guys. They're, they're going to catch yeah. up to some of the weaker female um, pro athletes and may well pull them up a little bit. But Tri-Equal said in their press release, Tri-Equal tri respect, respectfully urges male athletes to conduct their race in a manner that minimises impact on the professional woman. It's like, well, yeah. I, I, I kind of think they're well, out there racing, racing as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, why should they get out of the way of the, the pro females? They're there, they're, they're there racing for their... The, you know, for the best day that they can have. So really, I don't think it's on and their in that shoulders. Situation, and in that situation, the funny thing is, it will be the pro woman who will use the men to the advantage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if I'm a, I'm a back of a pack of pro woman, 
and a guy comes past me, I'm going to try to jump on his wheel. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it's, it's actually – it's the pro who needs to take mm. responsibility for not cheating in that moment, mm. not the guy who's passing her. You know what mm. I mean? Like it's it's a, it's obviously a difficult one, and in a perfect world, they just have their own race. Mm. Um, what so, do you think it needs to be longer? Do you think it needs to be fifteen minutes between the pro females and age group men? Haven't given it a great great deal of thought. Again, it just comes down to logistics. It needs to be greater, and or, or and uh, it's all going to be solved next year. It's good on WTC. They've figured it out. They're going to have the, the races on two separate days, so this won't be an issue yeah. going forward. So I guess my gripe is. It's not the guy's responsibility to minimise the impact on the professional woman. It's the race organiser's responsibility to... Because David DeRoe would have passed out. the whole female field except for Daniela. Mm. You know, so... So, yeah, anyway. Mm. So I thought, agree with all your points, try equal, except for that one there. Okay. Don't, don't always blame the men, you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a married team, you know? You've got to have, you know, look after us a little bit. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not perfect, but, we, you know, we try. Okay, we also had Ironman Vici happen on the weekend and uh, some good racing there as well, Jumbo. Oh, good old, uh, and I, I was pulling the results off try, uh, tryrating.com. Torsten also has up there now his uh, preliminary start list for, for Kona. So. Well, just one thing, because so, normally what you do is you'll, you'll use try rating, you'll send through the ITU's, I mean, so WTC's kind of page with the results. Mm. And what I'll do is I'll often just go through and read the reports I've had from the races. Yep. Well, they don't have anything on Ironman.com, even though it's Tuesday in New Zealand, about 70.3 World Championships. I think there was something up there. I just see something. Well, if you go to the now. news page where they normally put all right. the, yep. you know, where they normally put all the kind of news, there's nothing. It's all last week's races. So there, there is something up there, but again, if it's not if it's not in the obvious place. Yeah, because normally yeah. you go news and it has all the latest race results, mm. and they have nothing about Vici as well. I was like, mm. oh, what's all that about? So uh, just just on a. Side topic, it looks like there's going to be 58 guys racing in Kona because you've got to factor in the, I guess, the regional champions plus the the past champions as well. So Pete Jacobs is down there, number 58. Um, Justin Deere looks like he's racing. Luke Bell managed to scrape in there. And on the girls' side of things, how many have they got? They start at number 101. They've got 42, 40, 41 girls racing there. So... Interesting. Nice. Anyway, back to Ironman Vici, analysing the results with Torsten from tryrating.com. The reason I went here is because I wasn't really sure about some of the names and how well they're done. We had uh, Vici Mauro Birch from Switzerland take out the race in 8.43, smoked it on the run, uh, did a 2.52, and he came in 20 minutes and 46 seconds quicker than predicted. Wait, he did 8.23. 8.23, but he ran 2.52. Yep. Impressive. And then uh, Bernard Bilar from France, he was 23 minutes quicker than expected in 8.27, and Christian Breda was in third place. Just in terms of that dude who won the race, he was third in Lanzarote earlier this year, um, whereas time at Lanzarote was 30 minutes quicker than predicted, so he's obviously made some big, big step-ups this year. And the on the girls' side of things, we had a Spanish winner, and she was fourth at the World Long Distance Champs early this year, and she's won the Spanish Long Distance Champs a few times. She came in in 9.25. Garutz Frads Lered from Spain in 9.25. Tina Holst was second. Good old Natasha Badman. Everybody else was quicker. Unfortunately, Natasha Badman's starting to slow down a little bit, but still third place at the age of 48. It's pretty bloody yeah, impressive. I'll take that. 9.32. I'll take a third place in any age. <laughs> and she's only really slowing down on the run. I mean, her swim has never been the strongest, but in this race here, she was actually Bad right even. up there in yeah. the swim. She rode 4.56, which is way quicker than all the other girls. Next fastest rider is 
5.04, but only managed a 3.25 on the run. So, Which is unfortunate, really, because that was her strength, wasn't it? Mm. She could run like a legend. Um, so if she just had I remember a, you talking about how she passed you. She did. Yeah, she did. <laughs> she passed me on the bike as well, but I think she... Oh, you got checked on the bike? Yeah. Oh, we just, we just criticised the pro men. I shouldn't have been a pro man. It was disgusting that you were racing as a pro man too. Yeah, I was. Hypocrite. Oh, I am a hypocrite. I think it's ludicrous that I was at that stage. I was able to qualify as a pro. I was not even remotely good enough. <laughs> I didn't even crack nine hours to qualify. I'm a joke, you're and a I'm happy joke. to say that you're a joke, John Newson. Okay, so um, Challenge Pendicton happened over the weekend and it sounds like there's going to be a lot of changes happening to that race. We did get some feedback from Colin the Convict and he was just saying Pendicton had the biggest pro field since the 90s, although uh, it was a half this year. Nice to see so many return of the top pros. As you are probably aware, 2016-17 Pendicton will be the 3k swim, 120k bike and 30k run due to it being the ITU Long Course World Championships. In 2017, uh, I was chatting with some senior volunteers and they very much doubt there will be, after that, in 2017, there will be a long course. A bike course will be the same. They think they will likely go to a looped course due to logistics and costs. Looks as though one of the most iconic bike courses in the circuit may be done. I would strongly encourage people to come to this race. While it didn't have the big feel of an Ironman with 2,500 people, it was absolutely a great event. The city and the course is absolutely beautiful, and the volunteers are very accommodating and almost feel like family. The stadium finish line was absolutely fantastic. As I have to say, it beat my experience of Ironman Canada in Whistler in 2013, so it's nice. kind of feedback. Yeah, sad, sad to see that course go when it does switch to sort of the ITU. It was distance. one of the iconic courses, wasn't oh, it? Yeah. We'd always talk about Penticton, yeah. wouldn't we? Yeah. And so, that yeah, the focus this year in terms of their promo and stuff was around the half distance, so they had the full. David Matheson took it out from Richard Campbell. He went, uh, David Matheson went, where's the finish time? 9.36, pretty uh, much a dojo domination from Richard Campbell, who was uh, 9.52. And then good old Will O'Connor, from Palmy North, we've had him on the short show before. He does a lot of the sports science stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And uh, we got him one day. It was really busy. Remember that day? Yeah, ten oh ten oh two. First girl was Yvonne Timmerwell from Kamloops, which is just down the road from Penticton, and. 10.56 so yeah in terms of their long distance race they had uh, by the look of it they had about 176 on the start line but I think that includes the relays no maybe it doesn't so no it doesn't so that's I still think that's a, a reasonable number when you factor in all the the half looked really really popular all the other teams and things like that so well, like in the male, they pro, male pro they had 23 finishes mm. and the female pro they had oh, another 20 as well so they actually big, when, I, when I looked at this last week they had big numbers in Rosie was racing well Rosie didn't even make the start line he was the first into the medical tent oh really because he had that's uh, how he got, got to swim does it yeah oh he got food poisoning and stuff so maybe he did do this he probably had a hot dog competition yeah <laughs> so this it's very much challenge Wanaka-esque I think in terms of the numbers now you know a couple of hundred in the in the, the long course race and then uh, congratulations Joe I would go, come and give you a cuddle but we're in the middle of recording we, 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 this, hey we, don't cuddle my girlfriend yeah. hey, my, my fiance <laughs> um, so I still think when you've got a couple of hundred on the start line you can still make it work so well, the challenge you have always gone for this kind of multi-race approach, haven't they? Mm. And it seems like the half is the future. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do post the long course championships. Yes. You know, because obviously, you know, it's a different kind of race, isn't it? And so... 
it's the same weekend last weekend that you know one of the reasons why this is struggling they had uh, Ironman Muskoka at the weekend and we'll go into those results in a second it was just an age group only race but they had around about 1300 racing there as well so there's there's quite and there's quite a few other races sort of coming up and stuff so it's just you know not just there I think they probably reached saturation point in terms of long course racing we're also seeing similar things in America you know I think they've reached that point where there's enough Ironmans on they're going to keep expanding the 70.3s but I think we're seeing now a lot more races not you know selling out really really quickly yeah I wonder where the saturation point is oh, have we talked about them being sold no, didn't even make the news. <laughs> the news news is the biggest news of the week. Uh, is it? Yes, it is. It's okay. Okay, let's so just, let's, let's just finish up with the results. So we had Ironman Muskoka at the weekend. It was an age group race only. Really challenging course, very rolly. So Muskoka is in Canada. And Jonathan McMillan took it out in 9.19 by one minute only from Kenneth Morris and Bradley Gino in third. It's a bloody close racing. And a minute gaps between those first three. And a Canadian trifecta. So good on them. On the girls' side of things, I actually saw the first girl finish because I was watching uh, uh, Rob the Spine Tingler Green come across the line. Um, Robin Hardridge from, oh, we had a Canada trifecta. Actually, we had a Canada top five here. Robin Hardage, uh, 9.53 from Fawn Whitting and Shannon Kemp in third place. Okay, so there was one other piece of news this week, Newsom, which just sneaked into our news notes as I pulled them out of my butt right now. Um, WTC have been sold. And $650 million to, how do you say that one? De- okay. Dayani? Uh, yeah, whatever it is. Uh, Wanda Group, uh, Chinese private conglomerates. Um, they're, they're, they're already involved. I think they're the group that there was a suspicion that they were going to be taking out. There was a really good article um, on slow, slow Twitch around the background of this company. So I think it's owned by the richest guy in China, but they're, they're very involved in uh, some, some other sports as well so it's not like they're just coming in and uh with with no prior knowledge or anything like that realistically is it going to change anything my gut feeling is probably not in terms of us as the end user potentially you know if they decide they want to throw more money at it then maybe it'll change for the pros further down the track but in terms of end user why would they change anything significantly i mean at the end of the day they're probably in it to make money. Providence Equity, we're in it to make money. So they're just going to try to maximise their return consistently. And I guess it's just what the, what approach they take with it as to whether they want to try to lift the elevation of the pro sport into you know, running it more professionally, giving big prize money, actually trying we, to make it a proper big sport. what's happening with the management group? That's like, is mm. it just very much... Sounds like it's all staying in place. Just runs... Yeah. So, so really, it's just going to be the same trajectory we've seen, you know, building more races. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> building more money I mean I think the future of the sport 70.3 and, and expanding short course and things like that I think we, yeah, we will reach that saturation point with Ironman where there's only going to ever be so many people that want to do Ironman um, but what, happens, what happens in regards to um, the perception of the end user of is there any racism around this like are people because it's the Chinese ownership you know like is there, are we experiencing any of that oh yeah <laughs> No, we are. I mean, you see some of the comments on Facebook and stuff, and you go, I don't want some bloody Chinese person owning us. And it's like, well, they probably did anyway, because yeah. Providence Equity is just private equity. I mean, 
who knows who owned that I mean it's just as far as I'm concerned it's just business who gives a yeah. shit who owns it really depends yeah. what they're going to do with it whether it's business as usual or as I said you know if there's somebody like the you know the the, the guys from the Middle East who say right we're going to put a couple of million down here and see if we can actually make a big race of it. That's probably the one thing that excites me is, um, yeah, but in terms of the average Joe blogs going to an Ironman race, you're not going to see anything different. They're not going to start cutting races or anything. I don't can't see them going, oh, all of a sudden, let's just double the entry fees because at the end of the day, they're, they're in market, it for the long, it? long yeah. haul and they just want to maximise their money. So I don't, I don't really foresee any changes. But it was interesting news. Well, it will be interesting. And, and $650 million, can we remember what Providence paid for it? I've got no idea. I think it was a pretty good investment. Oh, I think it was too. I think, I think they've done okay. I, I think yeah, they I think, did okay. I think they took that big loan out and paid themselves some big loan yeah, or something and, like and the de- these guys took over the debt, didn't they? Mm. Yeah, so. I'm sure they did just fine. Mm, interesting times. Well, <clears throat> hopefully it's a really great thing for the sport. Yeah. Like hopefully it's something that you know makes it a better sport. You know, like really, as much as we've got our criticisms around – how much the pros are supported under the WTC. The sport has grown a lot since Providence had it yep. in, in lots of positive ways. Mm. More people are doing Ironman, more people are moving, more people are achieving big goals. So at the end of the day, we've got to be pretty happy about that aspect of it. Um, you know. I, yeah, I think it's the whole WTC do a great job for average Joe blogs. Probably my main gripe at the moment is just the pros. You know, they don't use them as well as they, they could be understand both sides of the story but that's the one area where we could go let's try to elevate the sport and let's see if we can have some kick-ass innovative pro things going on mm. it will be also interesting to see if there's much more growth in Asia because Asia has always been a struggling market for WTC mm. isn't it it's never really taken off um, you know will and, that change and I can't see it taking off massively because I've tried Ironman there before in terms of iron distance stuff yeah, it's just so bloody hot it's a shitty place to train in general yep. um, but there's certainly got to be some really good growth in terms of 70.3 and whether whether or not they ever make a go of it with 51.50 because um, there is a lot of people that race over there but iron distance is, is pretty tough in that but peak. we haven't seen much growth in 51.50 overall have we no you know like really a few years ago when that came out that was you know, well, this is the next thing they're going to explore, and mm. you know, and they took over some of the big races in the world, and and really nothing much has happened, has it? And if anything, it's gone downhill from our perception. It may be different on the at where you're there when you're at in America and you're at those races. Maybe it's different. I can't remember the last time I heard anything fifty one fifty. I'd agree with that. Yeah. So, so just in terms of coming up this weekend, you got the Austria try. Pottersdorf in Austria, funnily enough, and uh, the, funny Can- enough. the Canadian 226 in the Sado International Triathlon. So, again, Canada, this is a good example. You know, you had last weekend you had Challenge Penticton. Um, you also had uh, Ironman Muskoka. Um, we've now got Ironman uh, Canada, which is in Whistler. This weekend we've got the Challenge 226, which I know is a much smaller event. And then the weekend after you've got the Spirit in Montreal. Canada is a big country, though, and it's uh, obviously pretty spread out. Yeah, it is too. Okay, Jombo, let's do a sponsor, and then we've got to go do an interview. Sponsor! Yesterday, on the phone with someone, and oh, uh, what were you knock, talking knock, about? knock at the door. Oh, and so, something arrived at the door? My latest big consignment of extreme endurance oh. all turned up. Boxes of the stuff. Do you know we got flowers? Did you? Well, because people buy your flowers, John, when you're yeah. getting You know what blows my mind away about getting engaged? What? People are really nice. Are they? Yeah, like some people cried. Yeah. Yeah, like, why no, would you cry? No, no tears over here, not even not no, even cuddles or anything no, like that. No, 
I was expecting lots of tears from you. Yeah. You know, I know you're an emotional soul. You're yeah. always just losing the plot. Yes, it's me. But, yeah, it's emotional John's what they call me. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, emotional John. <laughs> Were you emotional when the extreme endurance came to the door? I was very emotional. Yeah, I've got excitement. Yes. Yeah. Uh, guys, so any Kiwis and Aussies, if you need any... Uh, I basically have immune boost, um, the Amiga and Extreme Endurance. Just get in touch. It's usually just because of shipping and all that. It's usually a bit cheaper than going through xendurance.com. So get in touch. But the rest of you guys, um, had a few questions on the Fuel 5. I'm still waiting to get some samples on that because uh, it looks pretty cool and they're just an alternative fuel source. So if you're somebody especially who's you know, struggled with different sorts of nutrition when you're when you're racing or when you're training. Um, it, it's just another avenue. There's never there's never this epiphany well, yeah. where you go, holy crap, this is going to be perfect for everybody. Um, but this is just a, a slightly alternative way of trying to get your fueling right when you're out there. So give it, check it out. It's Fuel Five, and it's got various different sorts of carbohydrates that they're trying to give you in terms of a sustained energy source, and then. Uh, Today is the first day of spring. spring in New Zealand. It is, but it's bloody freezing. It's like we had a, had a great winter and then it's gone all cold again. John, we're talking weather again. I know, but when when, it, when it's cold, you often get sick. So check out Immune Boost and uh, absolutely fantastic way to stay on top of your health over winter. So check it all out. Fuel Five Kiwis and Aussies. If you need anything from me, uh, go through CoachJohnNewsom.com. And if you're struggling, some of those people that struggles a bit with sickness, check out the Immune Boost. I have to say. The thing I love most about spring, longer days are coming back, John. They are indeed. Longer days. Short days. <gasps> long days. Oh. Okay, John, we're going we're to pause. So xendurance.com, guys, check it out for all their great products. You can't go wrong. People seem to love it. The feedback we get is people really love it. So check it out. And we are back, Jonbo. We are back and we are good to go. Last week's discussion was a pretty interesting one, really. We've got lots of people who had some pretty bad days at the office. And I was really curious around... What was your worst experience as an athlete? And I didn't want to hear the day that, oh, you know, I was just in the dungeons of depth of despair and, and then I turned it around and I became a legend. Yeah. I want to hear that day when you went home and cried and it all went to custard. And I, I, I kind of felt that I think what you wanted to get out of this was probably the emotional, more the emotional crumbling, yep. you know, when you just go, I'm just giving up. But yeah. I think a lot, a lot of the responses, there's some good good ones on here, there's lots of responses, guys, so go on there if you've got five minutes and just have a bit of a scan through. A lot of them were mechanical things and stuff like yeah. that, where things really crapped out and they couldn't carry on, which is all good. That was that was covering the question, but I was really looking for those ones where, just, where you just mentally Screw gave this, up. I've had enough, yeah. I'm giving up, and then later on you go, oh man, that was yeah. really it, weak. It hurts. Yeah, it hurts. It so a couple that I read out, um, Adam Philby, London Marathon, hit the wall at mile 20. My dad, twice my age, overtook me and then offered to walk with me. Then a guy in a rhino suit, 25 pounds, overtook me on the mall and planned to redeem myself in New York, but a patel attendant kicked in a few weeks later. It was a DNS at New York later that year. My dad did the race whilst I cheered him on. Didn't run again for five years. Oh, that hurts. Yes. That hurts. Matthew Bin's got Ironman Australia back in 2004. Mm-hmm. I would have been doing my Ironman back in those days. Rough swim with a bit of biffo going on. My arm was grammed and twisted, which aggravated the elbow, an old elbow injury. 
Uh, the right arm was numb, which made T1 a struggle, and I had to ride one-handed. I ended up crashing five times on the bike. The fifth crash was about 20 minute Ks from the finish of the bike leg, and I went off-road and down a five-metre drop into a ditch. <laughs> this is not a good day. That sounds rough. Unfortunately, my mate, fortunately, my mate Dick Quinn, the 13-time Ironman finisher at Ironman Australia, was driving one of the sweep vehicles on the course that day and saw me crash. I was... Uh, as I lay in the bottom of the ditch looking up, my mate appeared and looked down, saw me bruised, bleeding, beat up and said with a laugh, stay down champ, <laughs> it's just not your night. <laughs> Great boxing, boxing quote, LOL. And he was dead right. As hard as it was to DNF and I, man, there was no way I could have gone on with that amount of road rash, cuts and other injuries I had. There you go. Christian Lochel, um, Challenge Road 2015. Growing up there and watching Lothar Leader go sub eight, that's what got me into the sport. So finally getting to do this race was huge. Long story short, overbiked, stomach wasn't happy on the with the on-course nutrition, so I sat there in the medical tent at 170 k's, waiting for 90 minutes on the sag wagon. Didn't come, so I dragged myself to T2, started to run, but ended up in the fetal position, dry heaving next in the channel 20 kilometres later. I'm still more than a bit beaten down by the defeat of not finishing what I consider one of the biggest races of my life. Okay, we've got uh, Joe Combe here. Joe Combe did Ironman South Africa in 2013, her sixth Ironman. Um, I went on to win my age group and finish in D... uh, uh, Wait a second. I went to win my age group. Uh, I finished with a DNF. After leaving T2 in third, I rode the first 45Ks on the new hilly bike course like I was an Olympic distance racer. I knew I'd stuffed up by 50Ks. Coming off the bike, I was so dehydrated I could barely walk. I made it through 4K of the run before ending up in the medical tent. So that's not a good day at the office. Lisa Klupelel, I think Bevan maybe knows. She sounds like she's a Les Mills uh, instructor, I think. Ironman Florida 2014, had a rocky road training for it. Uh, then they cancelled the swim um, but that year because of the winds. Like she cried on the beach. We waited for the time trial start by a bib number outside in the cold and what seemed an eternity. The newspaper I had under my jacket fell out when I stopped to use the restroom halfway point. I got back on cold. My back started to cramp, finished the bike, cried in transition because I was now wet and cold and no, no, nothing was dry. Around six miles in, it got uglier, then uglier, then really bad. I convinced myself I was too cold to go on. That wasn't the real, that wasn't real. Anyway, uh, and not worth fighting on for because the swim had been cancelled. I talked myself into quitting, ran the first loop 13.1 miles, saw my family and friends, and despite numerous people offering me clothing and even to walk the remaining 13.1 miles, I walked off the course and begged for a volunteer to take my chip. I still haven't regained my confidence, been focusing on teaching Les Mills, which Bevan knows about, oh, yeah. and thinking maybe letting go of Ironman for good. Well, there you go. Ned Phillips got 100k trail race in Hong Kong team of four have done lots of 100k's but this day was different suffered from the gun by 30k's only two of us left at 75k's I pulled the pin totally broken and then I had to walk 15k out hated myself every step of that walk which took me three hours yeah that's tra- I would imagine that's trail walker in Hong Kong that's a hard run I've done little sections of that and yeah. it's um, very up and down 100k in the heat in Hong Kong um, plus a very up and down <laughs> I hated myself every step That's a cold call <laughs> Last one I've got uh, Tom Morwood Challenge Kens 
I dropped all my food in the first few k's of the bike. I was racing a team, just got doing the bike legs. So I figured I'd be okay and didn't stop to get it. I've done several halves and was pretty pretty fit. Figured I'd be okay. I didn't have anything in my special needs bag. I figured I would. I wouldn't need it, uh, total amateur. After 160 k's surviving off just my water bottle, I totally blew up. I physically couldn't pedal, pulled over to the side of the road and had a little cry. A para-athlete <laughs> saw me and gave me a gel and then let me draft off him for the last 20 k's. A TO pulled up alongside me, watched my, my, me drafting to stay alive, saw the death in my eyes and said, good luck mate, almost there. <laughs> um, I, loved, uh, I finished the bike, tagged my runner and then crumpled into a little ball. It was quite humbling. Lucy Francis, now this is weak Lucy. <laughs> Woke up, looked out the window, torrential rain, wind and cold outside, decided to pull out the ITU with London Triathlon and went back to bed. Soft. That, that was soft. We'll, we'll do ours in a second because we're going to do this interview. So we'll be back in a second. And we are back from an interview. John, we just did an interview with Sarah, Sarah Springman from the UK. Fantastic interview. Far out, Brussels sprouts. Feel a bit inferior now. Far out. She is a <laughs> successful woman, man. Uh, we'll be putting that up on Legends of Triathlon next month. Um, she's at Legends of Triathlon. She's. What, quickly, what's Sarah about? So Sarah has been was a fantastic athlete through the 80s. 20 European title or 20 European medals, uh, but then probably more impressively, well, that was pretty bloody impressive, but also then went on to a career sort of in governance and uh, has been pivotal in developing the sport, not just in the UK but on an ITU level. So she had some, some great stories, and also just a bit of a brainiac who's mm. pretty successful. Okay, Jonbo, so what's, what's your crumbling moment? Well, I think there's several, and I'm not going to go on about, um, about the moments where equipment failure and things yeah. like that, but I think. I'm, I'm going to say I reckon I've probably had maybe about four DNFs in yep. my career, I think. I've had a couple that have been mechanical related. I crashed my bike once in an ITU race. Uh, and I think there's been one other maybe where it was a mechanical issue where I couldn't complete. There's probably two that really hurt, hurt for me. <laughs> was one was when I was uh, it was in New Zealand Championships and I was sort of the, one of the hot juniors then. Yep. Should have gone there, should have won, ended up getting spanked by a guy called Will Smith who was, I wouldn't, even if I'd had my best race, he would have spanked me by miles, but I still should have got second. And I just pulled out on the run. Oh, pulled really? Out a, pulled out a weak excuse, you know, something wrong with a tummy, blah, yeah. blah, blah. It was, it was just a bullshit excuse. I was getting spanked by people I shouldn't have been getting spanked. And in a moment where I was a favourite, didn't handle the pressure at all, yeah. gave up, wasn't happy about that. Yeah. And I don't think I've re- ever really had a give major give up moment since that race I mean of course there's been races where you've bad days. Haven't, bad days haven't put on your best effort and there was one other DNF where I did pull out but I, I, was, I was out of my league at that stage it was a race and I really wasn't good enough oh, really? <laughs> I was like, oh. and I did pike out there but this other moment was more the pressure of the moment got to me didn't handle it wasn't happy about that. So those are probably the couple of couple of moments. There's been a few running races I pulled out through to injury, but I think there's probably only been a very small handful. Those two ones sort of ring to mind in terms of uh, ones where I've actually caved and not handled it. Mine was the Christchurch Marathon. I did the Christchurch Marathon. And I was well, I was doing the show at this time, and I was hoping for it to go. I don't know under two forty was to go. I think, mm. and. Uh, and I turned around into a headwind with about 10k to go, and, and, and I was I was racing really smartly, but it also didn't leave much leverage for kind of you know mm. you know to, you know when you're going for an A goal, there's always kind of the risk of not getting there. And I turned around for 10k to go, and I just got into a headwind, and I just gave up the fight. 
And mm. and the the funny thing that happened to me, and I just gave up, and so I pretty much just uh, I plotted home from there. I, like I finished the race, but I just plotted home. But I the thing that got me was about three k to go from the end. I looked at my watch, and I just in a moment of kind of unclarity, I thought I still had a chance. Yeah, and um, it, just I calculated I still had a chance of getting a sub forty. God knows why I thought that. Yeah, but then suddenly I just fired up and I was able to run stupidly fast. Mm. And then I realised I hadn't, and I just gave up again. <laughs> And, and it was just a real one of those moments where I was just so disappointed in myself because I just stopped trying. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and as an athlete, I always took pride in the fact that even though I may not have been the fastest guy in the race or whatever, I always tried to give my best all the time. And that day I just, it mm. got a bit hard and I just gave up and I was mm. always disappointed in that race. So, mm. yeah, and, and there was no redeeming factor in that race at no. all. Was, I mean, a lot, a lot of these stories on here where, you know, I did this and this, but I did manage to keep going or whatever, but... Those were our moments where we crumbled and we were weak. Yeah, and someone said, well, why would you have this discussion? Someone said that. But it's like, actually, it's part of the journey of the sport, isn't it? Mm. It's, it's actually post those moments is how do you get along with them. Now, you've got one here, but I've got one there. Um, can I veto this one to next week? Okay. And this, I actually like the one you've got this week, but it's because um, we just did this interview of Sarah and she was pretty fascinating to listen to. And make sure you listen to that one next week on Legends of Triathlon. But it made me wonder what has been the most best triathlon country of all time? Mm-hmm. And so you're, 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 the discussion is what has been the best triathlon country since the history of triathlon mm-hmm. and why do you have your answer? Mm-hmm. So because there's been different countries at different are times. Are we talking sort of, yeah, that's the thing. Are we saying POMs are the most dominant now or are we no, talking no, as t- the history totality? of triathlon? Right. So since 1974 through to now, like obviously the Americans dominated early, mm-hmm. then you, know, you had the Australian period. Mm-hmm. But overall, what has been the most successful triathlon country? Mm-hmm. And you can put it to any kind of argument. You can say, well, this country does the most age group athletes. So you can pull stats out of your butt if you yeah, want. Yeah, you can say New Zealand's got the weak bits kids triathlon. And <laughs> we've got the you know, per capita, we can pull out the New Zealand argument per capita. You per can pull capita. out whatever argument you want. Yeah, per capita, we've had the most. Olympic winners yeah probably absolutely yeah yeah the smallest country wise yeah what other countries have won Olympic gold medals or medals at least you've had triathlon yeah you've had Australia I've I've stuffed this up once before let's try okay let's see if we can do all the gold medalists in yeah okay so Australia we had Austria and Canada Whitfield and um, Kate Allen let's get it right now 2004 was in Um, Athens so we had Kiwis and Austrians again, it was Kate Allen. So She went twice, did she? No, the uh, first one was Bridget McMartin. She was Swiss, sorry, Swiss. Swiss, then Austria. Then 2008 was Germany, so Fredino and Emma Snowsill. And so Australia. then 2012 was Brownlee and, uh, um, what's her name from Switzerland? Um, whatever her name is, uh, Spirig. So it's Nicholas Swiss. Spirig. Swiss are doing well then. Yeah. But we've got more people than us. Yeah. So, so Switzerland winning. got two, Austria got one, Poms, Poms got, got one. one, we got one, Australia one, Australia one, Germany, Germany one, and Canada. Yanks, you haven't got any. That's going to might change next year, but uh, yeah, so it has been spread pretty well. Okay, so that's the discussion. Which country has been the best triathlon country since the start of triathlon? Okay, John, here we go. Let's do stats testing. I'll put some music on. Here we go. Stats-tastic. 
It's fantastic. Okay, John, but this one's a good one. <laughs> you think? I don't know how accurate it is, but it's a good idea. Yeah. So good old Matt Young, he sent through this email. He's got John. T- taking over statistics. Well, okay. You, you, know, you know you go for it. Because <laughs> I, I, I am engaged. You know, it's yeah. my engagement present from you. John, do you have a stat on how many people of, of the world's population have completed an iron distance race? So here's where you go. They estimate that it is 0.5% for the marathon. The best I come up with for Iron Distance was that there are roughly 54, race, 54 races for MDOT and Challenge now in a year, <coughs> not to mention all the others. Let's say 1,000 at each race are doing it for their first time, say 54,000. So you reckon that's pretty accurate I think number? that's a bit of a stretch, but this is just a hypothetical question. Um, at Ironman New Zealand, a really high percentage of people are first-timers, but say Ironman New Zealand, 1,000 people maybe for 500 first timers something like that so I think maybe this is a bit of a stretch but hey let's roll with it um, it's Matt's time in the sun <laughs> <laughs> times that uh, by 30 years equals 1.6 million people and I think in those early years wouldn't have been yeah, quite no, many, no. but again let's just roll with yeah, it yeah it's, it's rough Best guess have, have done an iron distance divide that by 7 billion of the world's population you get 0.0000228 Five seven one percent have pop of the population have done Ironman. And now, let's be honest, that's probably a bit high. Yes. So it's not when you say it like that, like even one point six million, which is probably a bit high. Yes. It's probably closer to maybe a million. Maybe a million. Yeah. Maybe. <clears throat> which, when you think about it, like there's always that thing about Ironman, whereas I'm in a small group of people who have done this crazy thing. Mm. And when you put it that way, when you think of, because that's not just the world population, that's the world's population over thirty years. Mm. You know, so it's, <clears throat> you know, it's. Accumulative ways you can talk and It'd be interesting to see what the number actually is for people that have participated in a triathlon of some shape or form. That number mm. would be reasonably high, I would have thought. Well, the other thing as well is, as you say, like if it's 54,000 a year, but of those, how many are repeat offenders? So, mm. you know, like if we think of it that way, it's, it's probably maybe only less than a million people have actually mm. done an Ironman triathlon. Mm. We're one in a million. John, you're actually right. Yeah. It's absolutely good. When I was a t-shirt kid, I was a t-shirt that said one in a million. Yeah. Yeah, I should have put Iron Man underneath it. Yeah. So stats, stats of this week, not necessarily an accurate stat, but an interesting story. Have got one little follow-up here from Lee from Team Queasy. He was saying one other race in terms of we've been talking a lot about the elevation gains of, of events, and he was saying Silverman full iron distance race used to have lots of hills, approximately 10,000 feet of climbing. Sadly, the race is no more. So Silverman no. was a cool race, and they tried a lot. Remember the, the team's race? Mm. And Silverman, so what they did is every year they'd have um, the race, and they'd often have a team's event as well, and they put pretty good prize money on for the team's event. And remember one year they had to go sub eight wasn't it yeah to go sub eight on the course and it was again it was obviously extremely hard race um you'd win it was quite a bit of money i can't remember yeah i can't remember but it was significant and one year they had an olympic swimmer an olympic cyclist and olympic runner remember and the marathon had just crumbled (laughs) and he only needs to run like a 250 or something like that it was something silly but he he, he should have been able to do in his sleep and and he crumbled in in, because they were well underneath he was like he was all he had to do was pretty much finish it in a training run kind of time. Yeah. And he just crumbled and did, they didn't get it. No. Oh, it must suck. And then that race disappeared. Then it was, they still do a 70.3 there, and that's coming up, I think, in maybe October, they have 70.3. Okay, Jumbo. One, two, three, four, high five. Now, Jumbo, we've got an email from David. This is, this is, a, this is, an this old is one. a long time ago, John, because <laughs> he's complaining about episode three, five, uh, 365. Yeah. 
<laughs> and we talked about some porn. He wasn't happy about it. But, <laughs> but anyway, he's given us – anyway, he does give us – he leads off with – It's David the Braveheart. I think it's Chambers, isn't it? Okay. Yep. It's David the Braveheart. Yep. He, he wasn't happy. He turned off that show, but he's, he's, he said, look, I'm back because I love you guys. He said, anyway, four things for discussion of the week. You may consider something like the following items. He four gave things. me a big list of high five topics. I don't know why I haven't gone back to it, but this is like 20 long. Oh, really? So I'm just going to slowly start plucking them out. So okay, David so, Braveheart. So here we go. Here's high five for things to remember when you're flying with all your race gear. This, so, so he's given me the ideas and I've come up with some, some answers. Okay. So I'm not saying, we're not, as I go through these high fives, I'm not saying these are the only things, but just some general tips. Okay. So he wanted four things, but I'm going to go for five because this section is yep. traditionally the high five. Number one, for when you're flying with all your race gear. It's something I do, if you, especially if you're going to a really important race, and pack your pedals and your shoes and your hand luggage. Oh, because that's a good plan, Jumbo. Your bike can go missing. I've done enough camps now to know that usually most camps where one person turn up and their bike doesn't turn up. If your shoes and your pedals are with your bike, you're screwed. You can make something work. If you've got your shoes and pedals, you can find a solution. It might not be optimal, but at least you'll be able to either do the race or do your camp or something like that. If you haven't got them, haven't got your shoes and your pedals, using others, that's when you can really screw yourself up. John, we've been doing a show for 10 years. That's probably the best tip you've ever given. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Sure, you've given some coaching advice. Another, <laughs> we- another wedding present. I'm just dishing out the presents. There we go. Today. Okay, number two, have a spare derailleur hanger. So for those who don't know what your derailleur hanger is, that is on the back of your bike. It holds your rear derailleur, which you obviously and change they break your gears. all the time. And that's one part that can get bent relatively easy when you're traveling with your bike, especially if it's in a, in a bag. If that bends... It's not one of those parts that's generic. You know, if you bend your actual derailleur, you know, your Shimano or something like that, then pretty easy to get a spare part. Derailleur hangers do not, is not one size fits all. So always travel with a spare derailleur hanger in case it gets bent. The other thing that you can do, I did this in Hawaii. I think the first time I went, I actually threaded it when I was putting my derailleur back on. Oh. That was a bit of a stressful moment. Oh, they, luckily, we were there a couple of weeks early and they managed to. Make something work. Make something work, but if you've got a spare derailleur hanger, just take it off, put another one on. Okay. Carry a spare derailleur hanger. Assume your bag will be open, especially if you're travelling in the US, and pack accordingly. So if you've got a bike bag and you want to lay it out really nicely or a bike box and you think it's going to stay exactly as that all the way through, you're dreaming if you go to the US. You're dreaming, mate. You're dreaming. Your bag always searching open, everything. Everything. Things will get moved. You've got to be ready for pack your bike, you know it's going to get unpacked and if things get moved around it's not going to be the end of the world because they do unpack everything over there okay weigh your bike case and have a backup plan just in case they're getting stricter and stricter every time I travel so I've just been over to Europe last week and come back like the bloody Swiss man they were going around measuring all the oh, hand really? luggage and all that really? sort of stuff oh, even in New Zealand's a bit like, actually I, I was a bit embarrassed by New Zealand we went to no it was Qantas mm-hmm. Qantas we flew to Bali on Qantas and um Beforehand, you know, they are getting a, a lot more stricter on your hang luggage nowadays. And your suitcase weight. Yeah. and But beforehand, there was obviously a lot of the um, workers who come over for the earthquake work from the Philippines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, it was almost like racism. Basically, beforehand, you're sitting in, you know, before you're kind of getting called to go on the plane. And they were going up to everyone of the Filipinos and checking their bags mm. and, and then making a big issue out of the ones who were a little bit over. And then everyone else who was there, like mm. everyone else's bags were too big. Mm. And I, was, I, I forgot to write to – I was going to write to Qantas and complain because it was, it was just kind of racism. Mm. Like it, was, it was 
you know, maybe as a group, these guys do push their boundaries, but so was everyone else. Like, there was, guy, mm. there was a guy who had like a tramping pack and they didn't mm. even ask him. Mm. And it was just pretty hypocritical. So I was a bit disappointed. So my point here, weigh your bike case before you go to the airport and have a backup plan if it's a little bit overweight. I'll come on to some other tips in a moment. Because that can cost you a lot, eh? It can, and they're really strict. So if, I know for a lot of you guys that maybe travel all the time, this is like you're sucking eggs. But for those you're who, sucking you, eggs. You know, those who don't travel a lot, they are really strict. And if you're like one kg over these days, you've got to start taking things out. So have a bit of a backup plan. If you if you bike case, sometimes they don't weigh them these days. Um, but if they do, you're kind of a bit stuffed. So have a little bit of a backup plan in terms of uh, what you're going to do if you have to take things out. This leads nicely into point number five. Which is? Apparently people do this. Don't know. I haven't heard too much about it myself, but a couple of little tips here that I've heard people may or may not do. When you go... Uh, AKA got, a guy by the... sounds like Ron Hooson. Yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> apparently an expert at this. So here's some tips. If your bike's going to get weighed, you've got to be ready for it. So when before you go up to check-in, because I know a lot of the time these days you have the electronic check-ins, but yep. generally when you're on your bike, you might have to go up into the to the yep. desk. Have all your documents ready. Handle those over before you do. Have to put your bike on the scales. When it comes time to put your bike on the scales, <laughs> you can. There's, there's two techniques you can use. <laughs> technique. There's there's the there's the, the little lean technique, and I've done this very effectively over the years. <laughs> is you can actually lift your put your bike on the case, and then you just lean on your bike a little bit, and you can actually just sort of lift it up ever so slightly you've got to keep it really even what, toe underneath yeah toe underneath uh. or just a little bit of your hand just on there and just take it like a couple of cases how do you on. do it in a way that's not you, fluctuating you have to keep it pretty steady yeah. that's a steady hand is critical yeah so if you're a smoker you're screwed yeah because you have that shaky hand yeah. <laughs> so that's one technique but you've got to have all your documents out because if they ask oh where's your passport and then you're oh, you get it. oh suddenly rookie voice. mistake <laughs> and then you rookie. look like a right dork you look like a dick so there's that little sneaky tip there or another one that I've heard people maybe do. Not you. Not me. Is if you've got some heavy stuff in your bike bag, generally you're going to have to weigh your bike bag and then it's going to have to get taken off to the, um, the bulky items. Back it up. So you can take stuff out of your bag, maybe put it in your hand luggage, then as you wheel it across to where you've got to take the bulky items, maybe just slip those things uh, back in. That's a schemey trick, Newsom. You wouldn't have done it. No. Because you're an honest soul. But there's a couple of tips for when you're travelling. That is a good one. I tell you what. My bike box used to be full to the brim. Yeah. And it wasn't just a bike, man. I used to put everything in there. Oh, it couldn't be good for you, my bike. Okay, so there you go. So there's a high five for things to know when you're traveling. Actually, John, there's some good tips here. Good. My tip. Um, put everything in there. Yeah, yeah, I don't really have any tips. No. No. I'll come back with some more. Some okay. spy tips next week. Spy tips. Here we go. Spy Newsome. <laughs> Here we go. Um, Let's get our age group of the uh, new, our nice new age group of the week music. Where is here. the music? It's in, it's in our. That's no, not talk. in there. Oh, surely. Wait, let me have a look. We're in I am talk. I am talk music. We've got a lot of folders. Jingles. You have got a lot of folders. Oh no, age group of the week. Here we go. Here it's go. a wave file. Hopefully it works. Okay, let's do it. Slash website of the week. Honorary of the week. So this is Pete Griffin sent this one through. He goes, I'm LP, which is a little while ago. And website of the week message. 
You missed a big story from Iron Man Lake Passage. There was a big fire the night before on Main Street, uh, forcing nearby evacuations, including the athletes from hotels. And the local fire companies had to fight the fire well into the night. They almost cancelled the swim due to concerns about water quality due to the fire debris and runoff. The RD met with the EPA representatives for an early morning water quality test and everything was go uh, so the event could proceed as normal. It must have been a long day for the firefighters, though. They all volunteered to help with the race. Oh, wow, that's pretty amazing. So up all night and all day. And also check this related story about the athlete who gave up his race to help fight the fire. So this is where our honorary age group of the week comes in, because Lake Placid was a few weeks ago back in July. Yep. Um, but as we heard, there was a big fire. Which we didn't hear about it. No, uh, we, we mentioned it after, did mention it briefly. There was after talk the race. about it, but we didn't always talk about mm, yeah, But it could have had end. a pretty big impact. It wasn't, it wasn't a small fire. But they had a guy by the name of Ken Meadows doing his fourth Ironman Lake Placid. The former firefighter from Babylon sacrificed his race day plans when the building burst into flames. When he saw the column of smoke rising from the building on Main Street, Meadows said he jumped into action. It was a no brainer. There were, was more important, that was more important than any race that moment. Jombo, I think he's listening to the show. No brainer. Who made that quote up? Exactly. <laughs> Come on. No brainer would never exist until you came around. So Ken Meadows, you are our honorary, honorary age, age group, group of, of the week. week. And then Peter also sent through a website of the week, and the website of the week is called www.thisisant.com. Uh, I stumbled across this when I was researching for a new cadence sensor for my bike. In the directory section, you can pick any device from the list, and it shows you everything that is compatible with. This is really handy, as Ant Plus compatibility can be tricky at times. So for those who don't know much about Ant, what is it, Jombo? It's the wireless technology that sort of works between, say, your Garmin, Garmin um, with other devices, and and so it's you can have different devices working off one device. So for example, say you've got a, a Garmin on your bike and then you maybe want to get a different sort of cadence sensor, you haven't got a Garmin cadence sensor, this is sort of the platform that they But you have off. the ant stick or something like that. Yeah, yep. and, but what this website does, so it's called This Is Ant Plus, uh, This Is Ant.com, you can go on there and it'll tell you all the devices that are compatible with Ant Plus. So for example, you know, I use my um, Wahoo Kicker and then I've got a, uh, a different speed sensor on there, but because it's all AMP Plus, then that can talk to my computer when I'm on the trainer, and they can kind of all work together. Similarly, if you're using different um, software apps for other trainers and so on, you can have um, your power meter, which is usually AMP Plus, so I've got a power to max, that's AMP Plus. I've got my um, cadence sensor that might be that, and then you maybe have your, your trainer as well, and they can all talk to your computer, which has got a, an AMP Plus stick in there. So maybe this is sounding a bit technical for some people, but if you are looking at getting another device um, like Pete was for his cadence sensor you need to make sure it's compatible with your, your other devices that you use so really good website so, so, so if you are looking to buy devices and you want a universal tool that can basically read off that device to your computer software or, or programs mm. this is a great place to make sure you're choosing a device that would work with your ants exactly okay. so this is ant.com it's got a big directory all the bloody different devices you can ma- uh, imagine on there. Now, are there so. other options? Like, are, do other other companies doing what Ant do? Uh, or is Ant pretty much just yes, the leader? You're starting to ask me some technical questions I really don't okay. have a clue on. Okay. But they're the, they're the main player. Okay, good times. One, two, three, sponsor. Athlinks.com. Yes. I was going to say questions and answers, but then I diverted yes. to sponsor because I saw that. So, so Athlinks, John, what's the gossip on Athlinks? Well, so Bevan, I've got the Auckland Marathon coming up <gasps> in roughly eight weeks. How are you feeling? 
uh, well, I'm feeling a little uh, apprehensive about how fast I can go. So, so not, let's, let's talk about this because, you know, big ambitions at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Hasn't gone your way injury-wise, yes. so you've had to kind of backseat it, mm-hmm. gone on the bike, gone done some other things, life's busy, mm-hmm. you're a parent, exactly. you're a spy. You're not getting married though, so... Well, you've already done that, so hopefully you're not getting married again. Yeah, take that um, How long have you been married for? 2000. Maybe 10 years. Uh, no, no, it was 2006, 10 years next year. Okay. Yeah. So... What am I trying to hey, say? You, yeah, seven year itch. Yeah, the seven year itch. Yeah, well, you told me to get that cream. I got it and yeah. it worked. Yeah. You get a seven year itch. A bit of it. Oh, let's get married. Yeah. Yep, uh, it. Sorry. It's a confirmation. Yeah. But um, what were we talking about? We're talking about Auckland Marathon. Oh, okay. So you're not that confident. You're, you're definitely talking it down. Talking Whereas Conan last year, you were talking it up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe the, the reverse effect might work. You might nail Auckland. What's the goal then? Well, this is where today's Athlinks oh, segment comes in. I led that perfectly. Uh, so <laughs> I know that when I did Auckland last time, I ran 2.38.30. And yep. it was actually 2.38.33. Because I checked that now on Athlinks. And I'm not really sure what I'm going to be capable of this time around. Because that's the thing. How are you going to pace it? Well, I've got eight weeks to get in shape. So what I did on Saturday morning is I went out and thought I'm going to run 21Ks um, by myself at four-minute K pace. Where was Phil Nader? Philinator was softing it. What's well, that about Philinator? Yeah. Sharpen up. Softing it. Soft. Oh, so, you're, you're softy and lofty. So I was thinking, right, I'll go out and run 21Ks at four minute K pace and sort of see what that feels like. And um, it was comfortable enough. By the time I got to 21Ks, I was thinking, if I had to run another 21 in a race setting, yeah, I could probably do this, but I don't know how much quicker I could go. Okay. So well, what do you have to do to do like a 238? What's your pace there? 3.45 okay, So I've got to go 15 seconds yeah. quicker per K yeah. um, So singing 4 minute Ks is 2.48 Pretty confident I can do that So I thought what the hell did I do when I did the other marathon that I did Which was uh, SBS Christchurch Marathon But you blew up a little bit in that one didn't you? Blew up pretty badly But I ran, <laughs> but I ran 2.44 oh, Okay So I'm thinking and this is where I Athlink, think when I blew up I did 2.46 Yeah This yeah. is where Athlink sort of comes into the game I was thinking I can't actually remember what I did for that time. Don't need to go to the Christchurch Marathon website or anything like that. You can just go there, pull up all your results, marathon results. Granted, I've only got two, but uh, now it gives me a good chance to say, right, I think I can be better than my worst marathon, but not as good as my best. So but you want to sit somewhere between weeks. 244 and 238? Yeah, if I can go sub 244, I'll be, I'll be satisfied with my day. If I can get down to close to 240, I'll be, I'll be pretty happy. If I go under 240, I think that's a monumental achievement for me. Well, maybe maybe it will be that reverse psychology thing, John. It, it could but be. the problem is, if, you, if you're gonna, like, what are you gonna pace it at? Because the problem oh. is, you pace it at two forty four. Mm. You get too far behind the eight ball to get yeah. two forty. No, I'll, I'll pace it off two forty. I think we'll okay. see how the next eight weeks goes. But that's what I was really liking about Athlinks. So I can just go boom, go there, all results in one place. Likewise, if I have a ten k or anything coming up. Boom, just go there, it pulls up all my 10Ks and uh, you can set yourself some realistic targets based off what you've done in the past. I've got a new logo for Athlinks. Mm-hmm. Athlinks, why haven't you done it? There you go. <laughs> there Because <you> <laughs> it's there a great go. tool. Yeah. Why haven't you done it? If you haven't done it, sort your crap out. There you go. Now, what is it? There's a new beer motto. Oh, I don't, there's an ad. And the beer motto is, might be the best beer in the world. <laughs> Might not be. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Who got paid to do that one? Well, I suppose they want you to at least try it. Might be. Oh, let's go see. Maybe it is. Well, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It didn't seem to keep it at me. Anyway. Anyway, check it out. Athlinks.com. Why haven't you? Why haven't you? <laughs>
and get on there, get all your results in one place. Okay. Why haven't you? Why haven't you? There you go. If you haven't, why haven't you? Athletics.com. John, three, two, one, questions and answers. I've added a couple here. Guy Urban's challenge. So this is a run, sprint, climb. To begin with, you do a 2.4K run. Then you jump into the on a watt bike. Now, what's that? It's like a stationary gym, bike, a stationary bike okay. but it gives you readings as opposed to your spin bikes in the gym. You just get on them and ride. It's similar sort of thing, but you can actually but it's tell based on power output. Okay, putting out for fifteen k static. Uh, was that cute? Cool. I don't know. Uh, and then you finish with a grueling stair climb of the 29th floor of the world's tallest hospital tower, uh, enjoying spectacular views of London, a well-deserved celebratory party, unique finishes medal giveaways. So this is a challenge which is called Guys Suburban. Guys Suburban Challenge Now the reason this came came up, um, I can't, I didn't actually. No, it's write Guys down. Urban Challenge. Sorry, Guys Urban Challenge. Yep. I can't remember who sent this through, but they were, it was really coming along on the theme we talked about a while ago, and also Barry Siff brought this up about more innovative events coming into our sport. And granted, this isn't sort of a classical no. triathlon, but I think we're going to see a bit more of this. And this weekend, Bevan, I've got my next round of the JD Duathlons oh. in Christchurch. Is this a handicap one? No, the, and the, well, we've, we've dropped that one this year. Oh, because um, I was saying to someone, Jim, she did one of them, mm. and she did really well. Mm. I think she got second. Right. Talk girl, young blonde girl. Right. Um, she got second in your last one. Uh, that's, like, that's like on the news. Okay, we had a Caucasian man wearing a black sweatshirt <laughs> who did the crime. Come on, you were in the race. Who got second? Who got second in your race? I don't know. It was last Female. year. This no, year. this is year. Oh, this year? Yeah. Irish girl. Lovely, lovely girl. Real lovely girl. Sure. Anyway, she got second. And um, I'm pretty sure she got second. And I said, oh, that's cool because you'll probably do really well in a handicap race. And she goes, what handicap race? I said, oh, they do a handicap race. She goes, no, they don't. And I said, yeah, they do. And I was thinking, I know, John. We've gone in a, we've gone a different different this time. We're going to Hallsville Quarry and we've got a really challenging run course. So you run up this very yeah. difficult hill and around there. So I think the point with this was this guy's urban challenge was uh, – are we going to see more of these innovative t- type events coming on? on well, this one's going to be restricted by bikes, wouldn't it? Yeah, and and is this going to be the way forward for our sport, seeing more innovation? Mm. Are you, would you be happy with that? Because uh, that's a different I, kind of. I'd race. be happy with different distances, different formats, and stuff. Not really necessarily. This this isn't really your, your pure triathlon, but I'm keen to see you know super sprints, multi you know back to back races, draft legal, bit of everything. Just rather than just going out there and doing an Ironman once a year, let's have some you know, different formats, hill climbs, stuff like that. Okay, Jonbo, wise one has we he sent through the website of the week a few weeks ago called Spinster.com. Spinlister. Spin Spinlister, that's run. And it was one where you could rent out your bikes and he's just saying he actually rented out some of his gear, he made seven hundred bucks from it. Mm. It's actually a lot of money, really, isn't it? Which is great. So and he, he said it was well looked after, it was a really great experience. He, he really, really recommended it. He really apprehensive initially, but he had a, he had said he had his wheels uh, racing around Ironman Miss Coker at the weekend. Yep. And so he's found it to be quite a, a, a good little resource for him. Uh, just Angus Boyd remember when we had Julie Moss on Legends if you haven't listened to that make sure you do she was pretty great but I was just saying what happened to her on the year of 89 when Mark and Dave were actually doing the Iron War and what happened was Julie because she was with Mark at that time uh, apparently she was coming in around 5th right. and she saw Mark and Dave run past and so she thought bugger this pulled out of the race and followed the uh. vehicle yeah. You know that. Yeah, so there you go. Thanks so, for sharing that, Angus. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Also, where can we get that song you played at the end? Oh, my band song. He liked the band song. Oh. He made my day, old Angus did. He said, well, 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 it's cool. What's the band? What's that song called? It's called, um, I should know that I'm in the band. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll, get, I'll figure that out in a second. And, uh, can we, I get it anywhere? No, not yet, because we've got to work on the album. Right now, we're recording on GarageBand, so what we want to do is get 
kind of 12, 13 songs which we'll be happy to record, which will probably be another three or four months away, and then hope to record over summer and then look to do something with the music next year. So look out for that. Just Travis from Possibility.com. He was just saying, sent through some love for Luke Trubusky. Um, <clears throat> if uh, really appreciate if you could do a small promo, at least a shout-out for the global team members at Possibility, uh, Team Try. Uh, sorry, race team, Luke Trubisky, he's competing in the Ultimate Triathlon in a few weeks and he's crowdfunding it. So the Ultimate Triathlon is he's going to swim in 20Ks, bike 1,420Ks and then do a double marathon a day for a week. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Sounds nice. like fun. Um, but he's also trying to crowdfund it. So he's got a crowdfunding link, uh, which I'll put on www.irontalk.me. He's raised about, let's have a look. He wants to raise... Six thousand pound, and he's at two thousand now, and he's got about another forty days to get there. So, if you want to help support him on that cause, um, check it out, and I'll put a link to that on www.iamtalk.me. And then, lastly, Bree, <coughs> I need to get my books out, John. Get your books out. Bree just sent me through an email saying, "Bev, I love love I am talk, and uh, you often recommend books on the show, and I just wanted to see if you could recommend some books on the show, and I because I'm." I'm a, I love reading books, John. Good. And I love listening to books as well. And she just said, are there any good books that you could recommend right now? So what I've done right now is I've pulled out my little book thing. And I'm going to talk about four or five books. Okay. Now, this this is purely going out of nowhere. Yes. But Daring Greatly by Brienne Brown is a brilliant book. It's um, a book about having the courage to be what you are. And she did a TED Talk, and apparently it's one of the most biggest watched TED Talks of all time. Mm-hmm. And I was in, I go camping in uh, Glendu Bay, and one of the people we go camping with, it's really interesting, she is a psychologist at the male um, sex offenders mm-hmm. um, in in the prison. Yeah. So she deals with the guys who do the horrific, you know, fascinating job of sitting down talking to her. And, and I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm always fascinated about behaviour change, and I was just talking to her about behaviour change. And, and I said, what books would you recommend? And she said, yeah. oh, you the one book I always recommend is Daring Greatly. And so I got that and I, and I would really recommend everyone reads that book. It's a really good thing, book to read. Um, then I've just got books that I've read recently, which I really like. Um, if you want to know about investing, I always think um, The Four Pillars of Investing by William Bernstein. Uh, it's a very safe, logical approach that can give you the best return long term. It's all about index investing. I'm not a investment advisor, but he was, he's got, I read just claim come on, do you? I'm not a investment advisor, so do not take my advice. <laughs> but, call 0800 blah, 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 for a, blah. yeah, but he's, um, he was really, he's got some really great books and he was, I actually emailed the guy and he was, he was really quite, um, yeah, he responded to me and he gave me some really good advice and he's definitely kind of influenced my share market side of investing mm-hmm. um, in, in ways that have been quite good. And um, so it's a good book to read. Um, the one I talked about a few weeks ago, Make It Stick. I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of that book. I really recommend it. The one I talked about last week on the show, which I still think, which I'm actually interviewing the author of, mm-hmm. which is called The Gluten Lie, which mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are probably going to be adverse to hearing about this, but I did talk about this last week. Can't remember. So this guy has. Um, this guy comes from a history of religious studies. So mm-hmm. his whole kind of ethic, academic career is a doc- doctor in religious studies. And he basically what he did with his religious studies study was 
figured out what it was the way that religion spread philosophies basically and what were the mm-hmm. techniques that they used around spreading philosophies and then he he started to look into nutrition and he's looking at what's happening with nutrition in the world right now and how these certain people who are really trying to spread big philosophies around nutrition are using a lot of the same techniques mm-hmm. and often promoting bad science mm-hmm. so like if we look at the gluten stuff right now if we look at the latest research on gluten right now like the the lead the world expert is a guy from Monash University in Melbourne, and and they're really saying that actually gluten isn't a problem at all, unless you have the you know gluten intolerance. Mm-hmm. But really, that's ten to fifteen percent of the population. Mm. Everyone else, there's no scientific proof to say that gluten is a problem. Mm. And uh, but these people are making big profit, and and they and he's basically showing you the techniques that they use to sell these stories. Nice. Now, one of the really fascinating things about the book is. The last chapter, what he does, so he kind of shows you all the techniques they use, mm-hmm. and then in the last chapter of the book, because because you kind of think, well, what you know, with these books, because I'm also reading another book right now called The Dorito Effect, and this is kind of talking about how um, the influence of taste on our food is really influencing the way we're eating, and it's quite an interesting read. But you always kind of go, well, you're showing me some an inter- interesting way of thinking, but I also want to think about how I can change with this information. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the book, he goes, but there is a way you can lose weight. And he starts to talk about how the plastics, the, the chemicals in our plastics are the reason mm. people are overweight in society right now. And he does this whole chapter on this is the reason. And in mm. some ways you're thinking, well, wait a second, you've written this book saying, you know, don't believe all this crap. But then mm. the other way, now you're probably and, – and so you're kind of conflicted because you're thinking, this is weird. It's not right. But the, the argument is so convincing, the, mm. what he does in this last chapter, but it's all a lie. Mm. And he's basically showing you what these guys do to put their arguments forward in these areas. And then the chapter after that, he shows you the techniques and the techniques he's used. Now, I've actually got an interview with this guy on my Fitness Behaviour podcast coming out next Monday, but I really recommend that book. And diet is such a – man, it's such a, an open discussion and there's so many different Do philosophies. Do my opinions, <laughs> Exactly. Um, <laughs> But it, but this is a this isn't necessarily saying this is just a, I think it's an important tool for us to understand that stuff. So that, that's one more book, and she said five. Um, what's another book? I really loved If You Wish, and As You Wish. Now this is totally only if you love a certain movie. Yeah. If you love The Princess Bride, which is one of my top five movies of all time, mm-hmm. do you love Princess Bride? Get Thomas to watch it. Yeah, okay. Get Thomas to watch it. I'll be curious yeah. to see because how old's Tommy now? Uh, eight. Get him to watch it. Okay. Watch it with him. Oh, seriously, right. it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. This is, as you wish, is the story of the of the movie, and it's written by the guy who had played uh, Wesley, and I loved it. So, and yeah. number six, Bevan's Fitness Behavior. Oh yeah, I didn't even play my own book. <laughs> yeah, my own book, Fitness Behavior. Although I think maybe Brad read my book, but okay. if you haven't read it, it's five stars on Amazon. Five John, stars. So here we go. A um, couple of things off our Facebook page. Rob Lyons sent in a picture. Said wondering if uh, John and Bevan know this Kiwi, and it's got a picture. I'm pretty sure it's Ryan Sissons. Oh, and he's got yeah, he's got and his he's got his, name on the pack. He's got his New Zealand uniform on, and then you've got NZL below it, and then instead of having his name there, he's got surname. I think that's Ryan Sissons. Also, uh, Zania Morrison, she said, John, there was no need to fly all the way around the world to buy your lovely wife a gift from Tiffany's. Tiffany's what did she get her? Tiffany's is coming from Auckland. I oh, got her go. a, um, a necklace with a diamond in it. Almost got the aquamarine, but luckily I was told. What's an aquamarine? Aquamarine's sort of a, I think it's like a fake diamond sort of oh. thing. 
luckily I didn't get that. I stepped up to the next level and oh, got something mate, the good. Spyworks she's, she's off. Yeah, <laughs> the spyworks good. Uh, Brad Cooper's saying he really enjoyed the Barry Siff interview. Thanks for making taking the time to fly by. That was a little while ago. And then Barry's is great. Joe Coombe, uh, she was giving us some grief, and I think I might have mentioned this about not giving Kate Bevilacqua enough love when she won the Canada Ultra. Yeah, we did give most love. We did kind um, of John tried. Radar. John tried to talk about the race. Bevan was too busy trying to find out what the name of the why the name of the race had changed. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to try to get Kate Bevilacqua on the show. Maybe even next week, I'll see if she's available because I probably won't be here. So you're uh, John. I'm never a distraction. No. <laughs> never. There you go. And then bloody. Sh- uh, I'm trying to ban this person from our uh, Facebook page. SK Shahura is trying to give us uh, tips on love, marriage, contact, uh, plus nine one. Oh, John, actually, it's quite applicable right yes. now. <laughs> I'm about to get married, so. I just banned him from our Facebook page. Oh, no. Now the marriage isn't going to work. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay, John, so patrons, you're going to have to name some patrons because we haven't got all my little list here. So uh, you, you can tell us about your wedding because I, I had some ready to rumble and I'll do it right now. So well, let's say sponsors first. Sponsors are? Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Why haven't you? Yes, and xendurance.com. And uh, get on it, team. If you're in New Zealand or Australia, go to John's website and he'll get, hook you up with some of that great product. Get on to it. Okay, John, so name some patrons. Okay, we had Murray the Holy Hammer Lapworth, who nice. is a blast in the past. Um, he's still around, though, isn't he? He's he still is. doing Ironman. He's coming to, to France next year. Oh, good times. Yeah. Uh, Adam Flipper Philby. That's a good one. I don't like know why that. it came to me, Adam, but I was just thinking, Flipper. Oh, are you Flipper making these ones up now? I made this one up just before. Oh, Aaron Flipper Philby. Now, this is where you and I have to help start helping okay, me here out, we go. Bevan. Here we go. Um, Scott Stephen. Now, a couple of clues here. Scott okay. popped pop me an email through, and he said he actually work, came to Christchurch. He was working two jobs. He was working a labourer by day, yep. and then he was working in the Warners Hotel at night. Oh, and I was stories. saying, probably a few stories, but that hotel. How about we go to the bouncer? The bouncer. Yeah, because my uncle used to be a bouncer at Warners. Yeah. So he probably beat Scott up. Cool. <laughs> Keeping it real. Warners used to be a bit, a bit rough. Yes. But also heaps of fun. But no longer there. Oh, that was in the square, wasn't it? Yeah, flattened in the earthquake. Yeah, the Warners. I think I've got another uh, Scott Gill. I think you've got to go fish. There's got to be something. Fish. Surely we've done Aquaman. Uh, let's go Aquaman. Okay, but surely we've done Aquaman. Okay, what's a what's a f- cool sort of fish? I'm not very good with fish. Blue cod. <laughs> <laughs> the blue cod. <laughs> the shark. Come on, it's got to be the shark. We've, we've had the shark. Have we? Yeah, we must have had the shark. Okay, the shark man. <laughs> Here we go. The shark man. Okay, we'll we go, go the shark man. He's going to eat you up. And then the last one we'll do, William Lockwood. Uh, treasure chest. Treasure chest. Yeah. Because he's go. got the keys to the lock. There you go. There we go. Thinking on our feet. There we go. Something we don't do that well. No, always. well, I do really well. I don't think yes. much else outside of that. And you think, we're, we're, we're yin and yang, John. We're the perfect couple. You and so, I should be getting married. <laughs> uh, maybe we can have a Hawaii wedding next year. Exactly. What's uh, your goss? So my goss. So oh, wait a second. If you want to be a patron, go to our website, www.iamtalk.me. If you love the show and you think it helps you in your triathlon career, even if it's just entertainment while you're out there training, chuck a couple of dollars our way. It really helps us do what we're doing and uh, there are some benefits for that as well. As well as getting in the, co- the draw to come to Kona next year. And it's not going to be a huge amount of people, you know, like it, honestly, the amount of people who contribute isn't a lot. So if you get in it, you've mm. got a pretty good chance of getting in. Like exactly. it's better than winning the lottery. Exactly. Yeah. The lottery doesn't even exist anymore. Does it? 
No, you know, the Kona lottery got banned. Oh, yeah. They're talking the Kona lottery. I wonder what they're going to do with that. Mm. Anyway, Jumbo, your goals. Maybe they'll announce it on I Am Talking. We're over there. I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, next year, we're not going this year. Bevan, my goss, we've got next round of the JD Duathlon coming up uh, this weekend. Looking forward to that. Hopefully, we, the weather forecast changes a little bit. Looking marginal at this stage. Outside of that, soccer season's finished. Oh, so I can park at the park now? You, uh, I can use the park again? You officially can use the park <laughs> again now. And... Scored well with the coach's um, gift from the parents this year. Oh, really? What'd you yeah. get? Got like an $80 voucher to go to King of Snake. Oh, that's a good place yeah. to get their wontongs. Well, well, you say that. I love their wontongs, Sean. Try to picture, what's the worst thing that can happen when you go out for an expensive meal sort of thing? Um, the worst thing? Yeah. Got oh. really good food. Not saying you get shit Got food, food spilt over you? Yeah, no. That's pretty bad. But they give you a voucher? can't finish your meal. Oh, John, there's something wrong with you if you can't finish your meal. We went to the King, last time we went to the King of Snake, I think we went a little bit hard on the entrees. Uh. I had to dig so deep <laughs> to finish my meal. Because like, their mains aren't massive, oh, we but, must but the entrees, a, those wontons are big. We did get the wontons, I they remember that. Good. And I was like, oh my God. That I had to dig deep, and I wasn't particularly happy when I left because I was so just ate too much. But you can't. <laughs> you, leave there is an plate. option. You could just leave some food on the plate. No, that is not an option. <laughs> Since when did that become it's an not option? What we're eating. <laughs> so got that. Plus, I got a voucher, family voucher, to get just into Hamner Springs, which is worth about yeah. seventy-five bucks. Hamner Springs rip-off, so it's yeah. crazy. You got that for free and a bottle of wine. Top yeah. it all off. Oh, that's very Central nice. Otago, Pino, How'd the uh, team go? We, uh, I would say, we had a winning record. Okay. Yep. So what age group? Sevens. Uh, well, they're eighth grade, so they're all turning eight this year. Okay. So soccer's over. And Does he play a summer sport? Uh, I'm going to keep the soccer going all through. We're going to keep our practice going, and not sure about the cricket. I've, I've mentioned that he's pretty keen on the cricket, but Linda, Time. not so keen. Time. So maybe a bit of cricket. We'll see. Outside of that, Bevan. Um, no, just catching up with family. I mean, I only got back. When did we do the show last week? What did I? Didn't even do it. We did on Monday, didn't we? No, we did it on Monday before you went. You went. I got back on Tuesday, Wednesday. Maybe it was the show you did with the Iron Cowboy. Yeah, I can't. Even yeah, no, it. we did it at night time. Remember when you got home mm, mm. and then I did the Iron Cowboy mm. the day before. That's right. He was a good interview. Do you get a chance to listen I to that? Not yet. Oh, make sure you do because he's he's pretty pretty. It was really some really nice stuff came out of it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that's about it for me. I think we went to one other thing. We went to wine tasting. We did wine white and wine tasting thing at the school the other day. It was maybe. 10, 15 team, maybe, maybe 10 to 15. Started on fire, got the first three questions right. So what do you mean wine tasting? You mean quiz night? Uh, no, blind wine tasting. Well, so you have to guess the wines. You have to, yeah, so they give you, give you a wine and then they ask you three questions on the right and your wine, you know, might be say, which country is it from? Variety. How do you know what country it's from? It's good. John, you're a connoisseur. Out. First round, on fire, crushing everybody. Downhill from there. <laughs> You're like, it's like your Iron Man, um, your Iron Man South Africa experience. Oh, God, went out strong. That's about it for me, Bevan. Okay, well, I have got the goss. So the goss is, so um, I proposed to Joe. So I've been thinking about it for a while. I actually was thinking about doing it in Hawaii last year. Oh. Yeah, and um, the problem was, nowadays, 
the girl wants to choose the ring, don't they? Yes. You know, and so I didn't want to, you know, but I also wanted to have a ring. And so I thought, well, I'll buy a ring and proposal for a you know, cheapish ring. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I did. Yeah, is that what you did? It was mm-hmm. a great thinking. Great minds think alike. And so I was going to do it in Hawaii last year, but I never really had a ring. And then one night when we were out in Hawaii, because we, we spent the last part of our Hawaii with her family, mm-hmm. and the, the parents made a joke that I hadn't proposed. So I kind of thought, well, I can't really propose after that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that didn't happen. Then I thought, well, I'll do it in Bali. And then again, I just never got a ring. Mm-hmm. And so then it was Joe's birthday on Sunday. So I was, and she went all out with me at this bloody car racing thing. So mm-hmm. I thought I'd better go spend heaps of money on her for her birthday. So I was out in the mall and, that, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll propose as well. So I bought her a, a nice ring, you know, a lot cheaper than oh, she'll probably I got get. a $5 ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, dropped, I think I dropped a couple hundred on the ring, but it was, um, it was a nice ring. And, um, and so then, yep. So then the idea was I was going to take her up, you know, the peak that's just by the bridal path. Yes. That's kind of my favourite place in the world. Like when I die, mm-hmm. I chuck my ashes there. I love it up there. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, well, we'll go for a walk on Sunday and we'll go for a walk up there and I'll propose up there. So you got nude up there. Back it up. Okay. <laughs> I, I wish that was the story. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not the story. So, um, but woke up Sunday morning because we were meant to be going to lunch with her family for a birthday. So I thought, well, in the afternoon, we'll go walk up there. But I woke up Sunday morning, looked at the weather forecast, and it looked like it was going to be raining all day. So I was like, oh, that plan's not going to work. Do you know, this is, this is digress slightly, Sunday morning, the weather out there would have been fantastic. Because I came driving the kids that we went for a swim Sunday morning, got to pretty much near where your place is, and the weather turned to shit. But over where you would have been, would have been, oh, would have been wonderful. Uh, anyway, sorry, carry on. Well, so I had to plan B. So I thought, well, what am I going to do? So I thought, well, what, what I'll do is I'll propose in the morning. So I gave her a presents, but they'd wrapped the, the, the bloody the ring, so I had to unwrap it before mm-hmm. I could kind of propose. So I gave her a presents, and she was pretty happy with what she got. And the, the ring was wrapped, so I said, oh, I need to go to the toilet. So I went to, I pretended I was going to the toilet. But I also had to make lots of noise like I was doing a really bad toilet because yeah. I needed to under it. Oh! I'm going, oh! And ripping the paper. And, you okay in there? And uh, <laughs> she was encouraging me. She was going, go, baby, you can do it. And I'm going, oh! I'm wrapping the presents. So, so then I come out. And I'd forgot to borrow her birthday card. Mm. So while she was asleep in the morning, I, I wrote her this email. It's kind of, you know, lots mm. of beautiful words and stuff. And I said, oh, babe, I forgot to buy your card. So I wrote you an email. She thought it was funny. And so then I said, read the email. And so she read the email. And I was quite, I'm quite, I'm quite touching with my words, yeah. I tell you. And she starts crying. And then as she looked up, I put out the ring. And I, I pretty much just handed her a box and said, do yeah. you want to marry me? And I, because I was just out of bed, I didn't hit. So the nudity was just purely because I was just out of bed. So you were starkers. I was starkers when yeah. I proposed. You know. How could she turn that, that down? Exactly. <laughs> how, that, was, that was how I was kind of increasing my odds that she'd say yes. Yeah. And she said yes, and it was a very special moment in our I, life. I could say a couple of things, but I won't. <laughs> um, so then, Very good. so then we've been having a look at a couple of rings. Yes. How much should we spend on a ring, John? How oh. much did you spend on a ring? I honestly can't remember. And we're both pretty good with numbers, but yeah. that was that would have been the ring would have been two thousand and four. So yeah, that's eleven years ago. Yeah. My recollection. We we went to yeah I don't know moderate amount. Well, what do you reckon I should spend? Because the, the more you spend, the more you love them. It's, yeah, that's yeah. a general philosophy. Yeah, that's a, that's I say 5K, Bevan. 5K is standard? No, that oh. seems like a lot to me, but okay. what would I know? Well, I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know. And I think Joe feels a little bit guilty about the ring because the guy doesn't get anything, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't really care. Yeah. But, but So we'll have to decide that. And then, Go long. Yeah, and do we have the wedding here or do we go overseas? 
have it here. How much did you drop on your wedding? Uh, it was between 15 and 20k. That's what you, yeah. Yeah. And that was pretty modest. Yeah. Mm. Uh. Third, third, third's the way to go, Bevan. Oh, really? You pay a third, try to get her parents pay a third, your parents pay a third. Okay, that's what we'll do. Mm. And maybe you could pay a third. Maybe the not. show, yeah, we've, got new, we've got a new patrons, yeah. Bevan's wedding. Bevan's <laughs> wedding. And maybe you could do a prize draw, one person wins. And then come to the wedding. Yes. It's got a good ring to it. I like yes. it. We have a raffle. And then, yep, weddings. Good move. So on the way, we're digressing a bit. We've got, we've got, yeah, we've got seven, seven minutes. <clears throat> um, wasn't that many good movies when I was flying home. Oh, don't you hate that? And um, you, were on, you were on premium comedy, weren't you? I was in business, actually. You were in business? Premium business. God, it was good. What's the difference between business and premium business? Uh, well, you know, sometimes business is just sort of you get a bigger chair and stuff and yeah. you can lean it back. Well, you're on a good plane? Yeah, so premium business is one where you completely lie uh, down. It's, you know, I'd imagine it's what first class used to be like. Is it's, it amazing? It's good. Complete lie down. Unlimited food? Good. Yeah. Did you make the most of that? Oh, I'm, I'm trying not to pack on the pounds. Travelling's not good because there's free food no, everywhere. Yeah. Um, but, and this is topical because you're getting married, there was one movie that I was laughing out loud. Uh, Wed- I'm sure it's Wedding called Ringers. Wedding Ringer. You said it was you. That'd be a good one for you. Okay. The guy's basically got <laughs> no friends. And so his fiance has got like eight, seven or eight bridesmaids. And he ends up hiring a manages to find a, a best man service. Okay. And so he's got a new best man, and then this guy finds a whole unruly bunch of guys to, to be, be his, his friends. Uh, to be his friends. It was pretty funny. Okay, we'll I check thought. it out. It's Kevin Hart, isn't it? Yes, I think so. Yeah, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart's a really good comedian. Yeah. No, he's made he made thirty million bucks from his tour. Mm. I need to be a nice. comedian, John. That's about it for this show, guys. Make sure you look out for Legends of Triathlon. We're coming out some stage next week when we get it all uh, done and dusted. And uh, it's a good one. So listen, in, somebody you won't know very much about at all, but a fantastic Great story. interview. Also, check out my fitness behaviour coming out next Monday because I think you guys will get a lot of value from that. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kick, Kick hard. hard.